Blog Talk Radio. Too. So it's exactly. 
it's it's something that it's going to be easy to live with by the time the season's over, but it's always just going to be like slightly haunting unless unless he kicks mm-hmm. ass. In which case, obviously, I reserve the right to to say I knew it all along, and you're all stupid for ever having doubted him because I didn't. Well, this is good news. Recorded, right? <laughs> it's not, of course not. Correct me if I'm wrong here, JJ, but if they're well enough under the salary cap, they can just tack on his 10-game bonus this year if they wanted to, right? That is true. Uh, the uh, the bonus only carries over if it has to. Right. Because my do guess is that... Carry, do they have to carry the whole thing over to next year? Like, is it an all-or-nothing deal? No, it'd be it'd be the... Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, could they do 500000 this year and 500000 right. next year? Yeah, split it up or something. No, it'll... The bonus would fill up to the cap, and then everything that puts them over the cap would carry over. So you could carry over a dollar, you could carry the entire amount. So in theory, if they sign Tatar and DeKaiser, which they'll do at some point, and mm-hmm. don't bring anybody else in, the bonus hits this year, assuming nothing else happens roster-wise, and whatever. I mean, look, it's if, if Cleary does go out and score 20 goals, I mean, we're not all going to be like, ah, fuck it, he was still overpaid, what a bum. I mean, we'll all be ecstatic. And the difference between Cleary and those other guys is Cleary's a good in-the-room guy, so that's why he gets the extra money. Heatley and Ribeiro, I mean, Ribeiro, right. he's clearly got oh, issues. Yeah. Heatley's got issues. And Richards, uh, you know, I mean, he probably has – he's probably a locker room I'm just going to assume he was. Yeah. He got bought out by the Stanley Cup finalists. So, you know. He's going to center a line with – He's going to center a line with Patrick Kane. He's going to do just fine. He'll be all right. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the thing with the Cleary signing for me, it wasn't unexpected. I mean, it's not like yeah, exactly. saw it. Like this this shock, like Quincy was a shock. Cleary was like, mm-hmm. uh, they hinted at this this agreement that they had, this verbal promise that he made to him last year, and so it's like it's only a matter of time before Cleary signs some stupid deal that's going to make us crazy. We're going to like, did you really have to do it? I'll, I will say this: I am. I, I it was going to happen. I'm glad it happened now and not when they clearly had too many forwards on the roster right. like last year, where it was you know end of August and we were thought, okay, we dodged that bullet, and then here he comes, you know. Yeah. Crawling in on his on his rotting carcass knees and said, "Hey guys, you got room for one more?" Um, so cause yeah, I, that's a great point. I, I mean, people are still talking about Alfredson, and I, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that Alfredson's coming back. Um, yeah, me either. So if if he doesn't, this signing it hurts a lot less than it does. I will be more upset if he's on the roster opening night. That's when I'll that's when I'll get upset about it. What if he's on? What if he's on the roster but he's not playing? It depends on who's on for him or who's playing ahead right. of him. If it's if it's a case of you know he's the he's the thirteenth forward and Thomas Yurko has his spot, great. I, I have no problems with that. I really don't because um, it would be an indication that they're recognizing their best lineup. And 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 let's just. Be honest here. The, the the whole clear issue is not the money. They have got the cap space. Who who cares? It's a stupid bonus. Ten games, whatever. The the, the issue really comes down to is 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 Cleary versus Yurko is what I think has most people upset. You know, if Cleary's the thirteenth forward right. on this team and Yoakam Anderson is is in the minors, like is someone really going to be upset about that? Or if it's Luke Glendening in the minors, like 
it's not that big of an issue, I guess. I mean, fine, I get it. Right. Those guys probably would be in the press box anyway, possibly. But it, it's 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 the Yurko is the thousand pound elephant in the room. Yeah. Especially after the Nyquist thing last year, and it's like, how can how can they do that again? How can they bring Cleary back, send the kid down to to Grand Rapids, and then that kid ends up coming up later because of injuries, and then leads the team in goals? It's like it's it's like deja vu. Yeah. Not saying you're See, the year mm-hmm. to the Nyquist comparison has, has been uh, interesting me a lot lately, because uh, do we think that Yurko right now is where Nyquist was last summer? No, no, but, but no. Yurko's yeah. better than Cleary, so, I mean, him, better than Glendening, Yurko's better than Anderson. Him being trapped in the AHL isn't uh, isn't as big a deal, although it is obviously like you're saying it, it, it would be weird that you don't want Cleary in the lineup above him. Unless, mm-hmm. if Cleary has an awesome camp, the thing is, is if he actually does have two knees that can hold up, uh, which of the players that Cleary is, is better than? I think he's better than Advocator, but that's because I, I probably don't like Advocator uh, nearly as much as, as a lot of people do. Um, I don't honestly, like if Cleary's all. got two good knees, if Cleary's doing very well, there's a decent chance that he might belong in the lineup uh, above Yurko, and I, I feel yeah. fucking dirty for saying that because it sounds so... So awful because Yurko is young and he he does need more experience and he's not going to get that with Cleary standing in his way. Um, obviously, he's better than any of the fourth line wingers uh, if he if he's healthy. Um, so I so don't know that there's necessarily might, not a space. For him. This might be a little bit different than what you're. I mean, I uh, obviously I want Yurko in the lineup because I think as being the most sheltered forward on the entire team last year, he did an, a, a great job and I think he's ready to move up. To, you know, a little bit. You know, and he's ready to take on more. But, you know, he's 21 years old, and, you know, he he played – how many games did he play? Like 36, and he put up 15 points, you know, eight goals, seven assists. Um, you know, Nyquist, when he was 21, he was just entering the AHL. So, you know, and you can say what you want. And, you know, Nyquist was way over – he's getting he, – Nyquist, I think, was way more overcooked than Yurko is getting. So I think that situation, I think just because we're in it and we're seeing it again, it's seen so much worse. But in actuality, Yurko is actually kind of getting that expedited treatment, I think, because what Nyquist, in, Nyquist in, didn't break 30 games until what until last year, until he was 24. Yeah, in terms of the Red Wings world, in terms of the NHL, well, yeah, Yurko's a, a early second-round pick. Like, he, he can play in this league. He's shown he can play in this league. Right. I'm not expecting him to score 30 goals next year, but I think he can be a solid third-line winger that can help this team on the power on the second power play unit and, and can beat out some third-line competition. There's mm-hmm. there's no Fair. reason why you couldn't take the, the tatar Shan yurko line, make that your, you know, for lack of a better term, your third line, and and make yeah. it a, a scoring line, right? Because the oh, yeah. idea is that everybody's going to be healthy next year. <laughs> Probably <laughs> not, but that's the idea. Nope. So if the idea is that everybody's healthy, the, the that that line, that kid line that we saw last year, they're not the second line anymore. Now they're the third line because you've got two more legitimate first two top, you know, more legitimate top six forwards. So if you have that line and you can play them. Um, third line minutes and you can protect them from the other team's best forwards and allow them to grow at the NHL level. And you look what they did last year 
uh, you give them a whole season, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't at least continue trending up uh, in terms of their performance. Then you can have your fourth grinding type of line. Now you've got three lines that are, are uh, threats to score when they're on the ice. Mm-hmm. And for a yeah, team that is probably going to struggle defensively because they didn't upgrade their defense in any fashion at all, um, they're going to have to score more next year, I think, to be to be better. So if you put Yurko, if you keep Yurko up, you keep that line intact. If Cleary beats out Abdelkader or Glenn Denning or Anderson or all of them and he plays on the fourth line and plays 11 minutes a night and kills penalties, great. That's what you pay right. What's what you pay a guy $1.5 million to do is be on your fourth line and chip in some goals here and there. If, he, if Dan Cleary does play next year and scores 10 goals, that's a bargain for how much he's right. making. And, and we all understand this. The, the concern is he's going to He's going to get the preferential veteran treatment regardless of what Holland or Babcock has said in the past or even recently. And he's going to be Mm -hmm. weighing down that second power play unit, putting up, what, zero power play points again or whatever he did last year. It was was pretty awful, whatever the fuck he did last year. Uh, Zero power play points, as as I'm double-checking here. And taking away, like, time on that power play unit from someone like Yurko, who, with the man advantage, starting in the offensive zone, is is more of a threat to score probably than Dan Cleary. Yeah, I mean that's the yeah. big concern is that the, in the the beginning of the season the tie goes to the veteran and it's uh, Babcock showed last year that it took uh, quite a while for the veteran to uh, to flat lose. Uh, he the Cleary had lost the tie to younger players uh, for a long time before and he, he got into fifty two games and he only fell out of uh, he was a healthy scratch once and he got put immediately back in. And then he only fell out because of the the bad reaction to the the was Cinebisk, whatever it was called, the yeah the fake cartilage that they had to put into his knee oh, because yeah. he's got degenerative knee issues. The thing with uh, with Yurko is that he did look like he was fading last year going into the playoffs, and uh, he he didn't really show much in the playoffs. Where you know I was I was convinced that he did need more Grand Rapids seasoning, but after watching him in the Calder Cup playoffs, if that's the Yurko that we can expect, if Yurko plays like he did in the Calder Cup playoffs, uh, there's no fucking way he's going to lose a spot in camp. Uh, unfortunately, I I don't know that that's that that's necessarily the expectation. So yeah, I don't know. The other question is that you know since we're talking about wingers and we did talk about Alfredson at this point, do we want Alfredson back? Um. Because that definitely here's means that Yurko is not making. We haven't even discussed here's, Mantha. Here's the thing. I, I after watching, well, first off, after watching Mantha at development camp, probably not going to make it. So we can probably bury that bury that right now. Um, just because he's, you know, he, he, just by watching him, I mean, I'm saying he looks bad. He looks good, and he, he was very much one of the best forwards there, but um, he just, you know, I can just tell that there's going to be stuff that they want him to work on, and they're just not ready to bank in on him yet. And I understand that, but as far as Alfredson goes, the thing is, like, I wanted him to get paid like, clearly the same that Cleary's getting paid, and now that Cleary's taking that, like that, I don't think I think I don't know how Alfredson is in real life. Like, you know, I just part of me thinks he's going to be like, no. Fuck you. And if he is, then it's like, all right, well, then I don't, I don't want to 
I don't want to pay him a bunch of money. I mean, he was the best. He was one of the top scorers. But it's like, you know, I guess if we had we, but we already have to deal with Cleary. So let's just bite that bullet right now. Um, and, and well, just, I'm sure you do. Because as it, as it, as it stands right now, Yurko would be in the line for someone else. So whoever makes that 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 final cut. I, I don't I, know. It's, I feel like when people say that Alfredson was the leading scorer of the Red Wings last year, there should be like this an asterisk, this asterisk that should just go with yeah. it because it's you know, I mean he he was great. He was he was very good for them last year, but then he got injured and then he was useless. And right. Right. you know he's what forty one, forty two. Yeah. He'll be forty two next year. Chronic injuries. Um, I mean at this point. What would he make the team better over the course of an 82-game season? I don't know about that. I think if he was healthy, he would. And a healthy Daniel Alfredson, I would take at a at what, like Kyle says, a, you know, what a, a round what Cleary's making. But yeah. um, well, he you would know, just would get higher bonuses. That? And you could you could throw some bonuses on there if you wanted to. Again, right. like they did last year, but um, you know, is he going to want to do that? Or is he going to want to do something that's a little bit more uh, structured and guaranteed without the bonuses? Yeah, but but, but what they do is, hey, your base salary is 1.5. That becomes your cap hit. It's like, hey, you play five games, we'll give you a million bucks. You hit the 10th game, you, we give you a million bucks. You hit the 30th game, we'll give you a million bucks. Like, right. You know what I mean? Things, a bunch that's easily attainable, so, okay, he's guaranteed in theory, unless he blows out his knee and his ACL in training camp, he's guaranteed to get around like three, four million bucks. Right. And then all that goes on next year when the cap goes up to 71,000. Million. Thousand? Yeah. yeah. Million. Million. 71,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wings are screwed. Well, plus yep. the cap's going to go up way, way higher than $71 million in the next year. When the Canadian TV deal kicks in, that alone is going to, is going to boost yeah. it up. We're gonna we're fastly approaching players. Like this, the thing is, it's like players are gonna start getting paid a lot more money, and it's gonna be kind of like a culture shock to the whole entire sport. I think because <laughs> even that te- like Caves and Kane are easily like ten million dollars. Yeah, I pay them that. Like, are you kidding? No. Yeah, absolutely. But everybody was like, "Holy shit, ten million dollars!" It's just like you know. But in actuality, it's like you know. Well, that's gonna be a pretty nice deal once. The cat keeps going up. Yeah, until they're old. <laughs> yeah, and like what kind of. Those deals expire years? when they're 34. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> then the wings will be fine. They'll be right. Devil win two cups with them. That's when Patrick Kane goes back to Buffalo. Yeah, and there they, was John Winnipeg. Yeah, there was a poll in the paper uh, here after they signed the deal about how many cups they'll win over the course of their deals, and I believe that three was the leading, uh, the leading vote getter amongst the choices. Good lord, mm-hmm. shine on you, crazy diamonds in Chicago! Yeah, <laughs> like you see, do you think you're going to win three in eight years? Good on you. Hey, I like your... win, lead the yeah, team I to like five cups, po- po- like cups total. I have no idea what you just said. 
Yeah, I didn't hear any of that. Five cups, like, in, in their regime? Yeah, three additional. Like, came and came. Yeah, so, like, that's... that's... Okay, well, anyways. Uh, we're... Red Wings talk. We we kind of said all I think there is to say about Cleary. I'm, I'm sure there's more to say, but fuck Dan Cleary. Yeah, point. I don't. I want to make it. I want to uh, make it clear to everybody that I don't hate Dan Cleary. I just hate the idea of the Dan Cleary. <laughs> yes, the Dan, as Tyler so elegantly put it one time, the Dan Cleary make a make a wish foundation or whatever. There's a tweet uh, out there somewhere. JJ, I'm going to toss this over to you a little bit. I know the whole Babcock speech or speech interview came out today. He was on the radio on one of the local Detroit stations. Uh, quite a bit of quotes that I know you found interesting, and you wrote down a lot. So I'm going to just kind of like <laughs> lead the way on this one. It was like a newsletter. Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah, I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like a good lacrobe cast. <laughs> uh, like the four yeah, shit. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Damn dog did the same thing in our comments too, so that was that was nice. Um, yeah, he was on one hundred five one, and uh, they asked him a bunch of good questions, and he gave uh, a bunch of good answers. And I think, you know, I I love when they when they talk about Epcot, and I love when he's on the radio because he does give uh mostly no bullshit answers and then like he'll sneak something in that's a little backhanded that makes you makes you really question. So uh, I'll yeah. kinda of, kinda of go in chronological order here. Um you know, he basically starts off with a, a, a nice little joke about how he doesn't like golf. He never really got into it. Uh and then they jump straight into what did you think about the summer so far and he's uh, really selling the the line that he's he's happy because the team didn't give out uh, bad contracts. He says, you know, it's a it's a silly season where we overpay everybody, and then you end up with guys in your team that you pay too much for. Um, yeah. The team was lucky. The team was lucky to get Alfredson last year. Um, and what I thought was really interesting there is that they didn't ask, and he kind of uh, didn't mention Weiss at all. Because that was the very first thing that popped in my head when he's talking about that. I was like, "Well, you guys signed Weiss on July, uh, the very first day of, of opening of a free agency last year." And uh, I would kind of like to get. Obviously, if they'd ask him, he's not going to throw Weiss under the bus. There, he's probably just going to say, "Well, Weiss had a shitty year, and I'm looking forward to having him back with an intact groin." Um, but uh, and then he immediately kind of built over like he's he starts talking about the the youngsters. He, we've got a young group; they're getting better. Uh, I think we need to let them grow. Uh, we'd sign enough players to, you know, there's some guys that are going to need to stay in the minors uh, to get a little bit more seasoning, but uh, when they're ready, they're they're going to be up. Um, and he specifically said, you know, we're planning on bringing out defensemen and we're going to play the best players. Um, you know, they, he, he doesn't really say reload, but he talks about the, the concept of, you know, other teams have to be bad for ten years to get back on top, and that's that's not the the Red Wings' way. That's not the way we're going to do it. So uh, it just kind of sucks. He, you know, he says that he was happy with the team in the playoffs against Chicago, but he really wasn't happy about what uh, what happened against Boston. Right. But he's he's no. really excited for the for the kids. Um, so what's he going on? He says uh, they need a, a puck moving defenseman. Uh, they've got a bunch of the minors, but they're not going to rush them. 
Uh, they're going to actually force them to take jobs. I wanna, this, is, this is the part that I want to dig you guys up on. Um, the yeah. concept of they don't want to rush them. They want to force them to get jobs. Uh, I know the fan base is, and me included, are, are very much like uh, I want Marchenko if if he's, if he's healthy. I want back and I want uh, Ouellette. I want Sproul to be playing regular minutes. We don't want Brian Lashoff for 75 games. Um there's a, a concept there that that perhaps the the management there isn't as sold that these guys are as ready as Brian Lashoff is. Uh what do you what do you guys think about that? Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Obviously uh, you know, you'd expect I mean, something to change by now, right? Yeah. I, I just I I'm trying to think of how I just want to phrase this. I don't know. I, I, I just I don't know if I believe them. I think there's a, still a an old school mentality of what an NHL defenseman should be, and it, they should be big, and they should be strong, and they should be good in their own end. I use that in quotations because nobody knows what that actually means. And um, there's, you know, you always hear that defense is the hardest position to learn in the NHL. So um, I think there's there's a fear that if they put these guys in too early it's just going to set them back even further, whereas at forward you can hide guys, right? You can stash them on the third line, on the fourth line, and just kind of slowly integrate them in. Even a third-pairing defenseman is going to be more exposed than a, you know, a, a, an 11th forward, for example. So I think they treat it kind of with kid gloves. I, remember, I don't know if you guys remember, Holland gave an interview where he talked about his philosophy and about why they they take so long to bring guys up and why they overripen them and he he said something about if you bring somebody up too early and they and they don't perform well it can just destroy their confidence and then they go back to the AHL and then they have to rebuild up their confidence before they can come back to the NHL and it's I wonder if that's what they if that's Babcock's thinking as well that if you bring a guy up too early and he struggles he, he's done my response to that yeah. is if you think your system is so deep as you claim it should be, then you should be able to offset. If you've got four guys that you think are going to play in the NHL one day and one of them flames out, that's not bad. That's And the other three turn out to be NHLers. That's, that's a much better success rate than almost anybody else has right now. So take the chance. If it turns out that Ryan Sproul isn't ready, send him back down and bring up let bring up Marchenko, bring up you know somebody else. There's I don't think there's anything wrong with giving a kid a shot, finding out that he's not ready. If you've got other guys that can step in, and that's the other thing that you mentioned right. too, about the whole concept of uh, you know their their confidence getting crushed and that can really affect them. Uh, I think that uh, that one of the things that keeps getting said about Blashill is that he should. Uh, create quite a, a good buffer for that. If if we send a guy down because he comes up and he just sucks and he, his confidence is at an all-time low, uh, right now I trust Blashill to be able to pull a guy out of that. Yeah, he's really yeah. He's very he's he's so much like Babcock in that he's a very cerebral coach. Like you know how Babcock like you know he's very um, Babcock's the kind of coach that always tell you the positive things first. You know he kind of like build you up and then he'll break you down a little bit. Um, Blashell is like the same exact way, I think. Um, so I, it'd be you know, on a different level, and I think that uh, 
I think I think it's a good system, and I I, I hope that they would uh, they would embrace something like that, um, because I mean it happens, you know. Um, I'm sure, you know, Ferraro didn't feel so hot when he came back down from the NHL because you know obviously he you know he got he had to, but he didn't he didn't he didn't play all that great. I mean I'm sure he knew that he didn't. So, you know, I, who knows? I just I think. I, I agree with what 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 you guys said in that you know or I think it just fits about if you have a system that you claim is so deep um you know why don't you put that to the test you know you you pretty much dragged everybody through the mud all off season saying that you need a right hand shot on the blue line that can move the puck and you know and, and you know you've got a couple of guys who can possibly do that you know you you don't need to put them in playing huge minutes, I mean, we can put, we, you can shelter them. They can start in the offensive zone, and you can just give give a guy like Sproul the puck, and you know, ha- just have him shoot it. And <clears throat> I don't see the I don't see the issue there. Yeah, but, and I think that the the concept I'm, of guys, I'm you know, they got to be good in their own zone. Um, well, I think that you know a lot of the the old school thinking is essentially that a lot of people want. Uh, a guy who everybody, you know, who all the, the idiots think Brooks Orpik is. And I, I don't want that. I think that we're, uh, we just, you get guys like, like Daryl Sutter said, just guys who move the puck. They're, they make all the difference in the world. Just get the puck up out of the zone. And That's I've said this a few times. That's moving the goddamn puck. Yeah. And I'll, I'll reiterate it here. Um, especially with, with Sproul is that I'm, I'm just, I'm still constantly worried that, him learning out of bad habits at the AHL level does not actually produce good habits at the NHL level uh, because right. the style of play is different. The people in the NHL are are not as forgiving. If you simplify your game to, to play a better AHL game, you're not necessarily uh, preparing yourself for for explosive uh, offensive uh, games in at the NHL level because NHL defenses are bigger, faster, stronger, and uh, more complex than than AHL because it's still very much a, a rock'em sock'em league down there. Um, right. It's it's not nearly as fluid. So I I think I would rather have Ryan Sproul making those kind of mistakes on very sheltered third pairing minutes, mm-hmm. where if if he's going to turn it over, he's going to turn it over to to stone handed scrubs on the other team, and he's going to get away with right. it a lot, a lot more. Well, you, you Tory Krugum. You know, yeah, you yeah. just shelter him. Like Off his own starts, shelter on the... Hey, do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> My contribution for the night, I'm out. <laughs> well, Graham would have said him, so... The other thing, too, that I've always thought, and this, is, this isn't just for the, you know, Sproul and, and them, it's for everybody, is... It doesn't matter how long you keep them in the AHL. There's going to be a learning curve the moment they get to the NHL. It doesn't matter whether they're in the AHL for 10 games or 10 years. The, their first game in the NHL is going to be completely different. So if right. if those players are as good as you think they are, and especially and, and as good and str- strong mentally that they can adjust to the game quicker, nobody's expecting them outside of the rare superstar talent like uh, like what McKinnon did last year. That doesn't that that rarely happens that a kid plays like that right. at that young an age. So um, 
I can't imagine that the, the the expectations of the vast majority of fans are going to be pretty low when Ryan Sproul eventually steps into the lineup. Nobody's expecting him to be Ryan Rafalski, uh, you know, and become this savior for the, the power play and become the right-handed puck-moving defenseman that we've all been clamoring for and, and hope to that Jonathan Erickson would be, uh, which Erickson has not turned out to be. He's turned out to become... Uh, a, a pretty good defenseman in his own way, but I mean, I, I don't know. It just you kind of sit there and go, "What are you waiting for?" I mean, at, at 24 years old, are they tougher at 24 than at 22? Probably not no. by a whole lot. I mean, right. so I don't know. I think I I'm on the give a kids give the kids a shot bandwagon. That's my feeling. Um, I would have. I I wouldn't have even signed Quincy. I would have just been like here. I would have let okay. the I would have let a bunch of the kids fight for that that last spot and say here. Right. Whoever wins it at a camp gets it. Yeah, I'd rather have kids well, at six and seven than than kids at five and six. Right. And, and so I, I'm not a I'm okay with the Quincy signing. I just think that it was a little bit of panic, and I think that we probably could have done without it. And I'm still mad about the the whole. Hey, don't wait on us, Tommy Gilbert. Just go sign with Montreal. We're okay with that. I thought that, I think that was a big mistake, but yeah, that, um, well, and the other was um, signing him the first day. It's Quincy. Yeah. I mean, um, nobody was going to be beating Kyle Quincy's door down to get him. And if somebody did, who cares? You know, yeah, right. if nothing else. Poker faced that a little bit more. Yeah, you could have held um, on and, and you know dragged it out into around now and be like, hey, Kyle, nobody's called you, so what do you say we bring you back at what you made last year for one yeah. year? Okay, wrapping up the concept of, uh, you know, Babcock says that, that young demon are going to be a given. They're going to be given the opportunity to take jobs. They just have to take them. Uh, let's go straight one to ten, ten being uh, absolutely and one being absolutely not. Uh how, what's what's your confidence level that that that's actually going to happen this year? Because it did, it hasn't yet, but things have changed. Well, I, I think. Graham. I, Say okay, the Jeff, scale again. Sorry. <laughs> Just one to ten. Ten being uh, absolutely, and and one being uh, Babcock is full is full of shit. Oh God! Probably a six. That's not I, bad. Yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna say six. I think one kid makes the roster just because I think they'll be willing to wave Lash off. They're not gonna wave Kindle. If they can't trade Kindle, I, I think you'll just see one kid. I don't think it's it's if that's like right in the middle, five six, just because I just can't see that happening. All right, Kyle, I want to. Okay, so the good part of me wants to say that I believe him because I, you know, I think injuries are going to happen. Um, but do I believe that somebody is going to make the team right off the bat? Um, to what? I don't know. I I don't think it will. I I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a let. I don't know. I I don't think it will be. I think it comes. They, you know, if it is a wet, then seriously, 
the whole like narrative of the right hand shot is horse shit and fuck them for <laughs> for this entire summer then. Because Well then you I, know, I, I mean I'll ask you this. If Marchenko's healthy, does he play in that game five against Boston instead of Roulette? That's a good I question. I mean that's that's just what I'm going off of. Like they clearly think he's yeah, no, the that's, most that's ready. Good, that that is at least the most ready question. healthy what, defense then. Would I have rather have had him? Yeah. Definitely. By the way, we got a bit of quicker feedback. Go ahead. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I I, I want to state, you know, like the optimistic side of me says, yes, someone will make it eventually because of injuries. But the realistic side of me says, I don't think anybody makes it right off the bat. I think you're looking at that third pair of Kindle and Lashoff again, unfortunately, because they like, they like Lashoff for some well, reason. You're not going to get that because Erickson's healthy, in theory. You know, everyone's healthy. What? Lashoff's your seventh man. Oh, right. I'm okay if he's a seventh man all year. I'm like, yeah, he's even I, the seventh man. It, it, I mean, happen. It, in a perfect world, if, if they dump Kindle somewhere or wave him, they dump or wave Lashoff, and you take the four defensemen and – you you rotate two of them up unless someone grabs hold of one of the jobs between what is it Backman Marchenko Olette, and Sproul and you got the two kids in the six seven hole and you let the four of them mm-hmm. fight out for who gets that last spot or rotate them in if they're all struggling and that way you know you're not it, it, you know if the kid struggles a little bit it's like hey we're just giving someone else a chance and you just keep give them yeah. a little bit of experience a little bit at a time. You know, they're they're up practicing with the club. They're getting scratched. They can watch the game from above. They can get into games, and you send them back down and bring up another kid. Like, fine, if you, if, if if that's what you're gonna do, I can accept that. But give them right. Luck. All right, Kyle. So, what's your number? Yeah, pick a damn number. Number for what? There's only ten. Oh, how many games <laughs> in? God damn how many it, games Kyle. in until someone gets hurt? He's not even. No, let's move on, JJ. No, never mind. You don't get a number. You. <laughs> Oh my number! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, you said one. No, you don't get a number now. No, I'm going to give you a number. Um, I'm going to say a seven. All right. Uh, I'm just going to. I'll go the the optimist here, and I'll say it's eight. I mean, you just can't have that many near near ready prospects and not give not give them a chance. I I just can't see that. How about we got some Twitter feedback? Somebody says that. uh, it's pronounced Sproul, not Sproul. Uh, sorry. Whatever. I've heard it said Sproul a lot, so. Was it Sproul that said that? Because that'd be kind did of they, cool. Hey, did they, know who, did they know who we're talking about? Yes. Okay. Well, All right. So moving no, on with we'll the right. Babcock interview. Because um, yeah. the next point that they made was, you know, they are talking about what do you expect to be better, and obviously he said, I expect – if we're healthier, we're, we're going to be better. Um, but he also said uh, specifically that we need to do better to improve the strength and conditioning and also the medical care to make sure that the guys are healthy. And I think that was that was huge because that was one of the, most, the biggest complaints, that uh, right. something is, is rotten in the locker room, that guys are not staying healthy, they're not uh, properly conditioned, they come to camp hurt, and then they lie about being hurt, and then they only play, like, 26 <laughs> games. Uh, Who? So if it's the case that <laughs> they recognize that that is a huge problem, 
I mean, I like to hear the Babcock say it. Obviously, uh, put your money where your, where your mouth is and actually show us that, that people are going to be healthy. But um, at least hearing him say it is, is a feel-good thing. Um, Zetterberg says he feels as, as well as he did in 2008, um, which is good because he was really good back in 2008, if you remember. Um, I, I guess I... I guess I believe that because obviously a lot of people, you know, the WebMDs out there say, well, I've had back problems forever and I, I suck. But you're not – I'm sorry, you're, you're not a $7 million a year athlete, so uh, you're not Zitterberg. He had a piece of his back removed. That's weird. Uh, so I guess just hope for the best and expect that he's going to play in more games this year than he did last. And if he doesn't, just, I don't know, we'll we'll scream, we'll have a campfire and sing kumbaya and have s'mores and cry <laughs> about it. Um, Jimmy Howard says that he's he's wants to play back up to his level. He's getting better. He's getting in shape. Um, that uh, that Datsuk is, is working with a guy. Uh, the, that's the concerning thing is that Datsuk himself says that he's not 100% yet, but he expects to be by camp. And they're both working with a guy uh, – Mike Barwis, yeah, and uh, not both. Uh, Datsuk and Cleary, rather. And this guy is apparently uh, a, a super duper uh, workout specialist that that's going to get. You know, he's helped people walk who weren't expected to ever again. And that's I don't know anything about him, um, but I'm I'm willing to believe based on like three minutes of the, the follow up interview they had with him. <laughs> uh, he he seems like a good guy. Uh, he seems like a, a likable guy, and his results speak for themselves. So, uh, I'll I'll be hopeful that this will be a healthier team than they were last year. If not, uh, honestly, I want to see some fucking heads roll. For sure, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I had I would... multiple. I, I had I had multiple uh, chances to to interview Pete Van Zandt at development camp, but um, I just. It couldn't think of anything that would have been interesting to ask him other than what are you what? doing differently this year? You, you could have asked him, how come everyone injures their groin? Yeah. And then I was sort of gotten kicked out or something. Well, I mean, that's the the basic question is, is there something that you are right. uh, looking for in your routines or in your, in your care that, makes it seem like Detroit players tend to injure their groins more often than, than league average. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have him on the line, so it's it's kind of a moot point right now. Um, moving on, they talk about yeah, – they mentioned that there's this concept that, you know, they mentioned two Babcock. Maybe people don't want to come play for you, uh, and then he – <laughs> he says, "Yeah, if, if you think that, why don't you call uh, Shea Weber? Why don't you call Sidney Crosby and ask him if they didn't enjoy playing for me?" Which I thought was was fantastic. But I, I do think it would have been nicer if he would have said, "Why don't you ask Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg?" Uh, <laughs> why don't you ask Brendan? Because they have a little bit more. Steve Eisenman. Yeah, they have a little bit more experience. Um, but I mean, it's true, and he, he touches on the fact that if if you don't want to want to play here, then we don't really want you anyway. So. If it, if it is true, but then he sneaks in this backhanded com, uh, this backhanded comment. Maybe they don't want to come play here because I I'm only going to be here for another year, or or I'll, I've only got one more year on my deal. Uh, not that I'm. He did not say I'm only going to be here another year. Sorry about that. Um, on JJ, because yeah, I know I'm I'm spreading controversy. We need more. Bars. You are you are a <laughs> blogger. 
Yep. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that comment later. Um, but it it sounds like a backhanded. Well, I'm not fucking signed yet, so uh, that's kind of not my problem. Which I I really enjoy because then he goes on to talk about how he loves it here and uh, the grass isn't always greener. He's got a fantastic relationship with with Ken Holland that they're not. Uh, they're not always happy with each other, but at least there's that that mutual respect and honesty in there. Um, they don't let elephants uh, hang out in the room in, in those kind of team meetings. So they have, he says, they have hard meetings, and uh, people don't always leave those meetings happy. But at least it's kind of a, getting everything out in the open. That's something that I, I definitely appreciate. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's it's obviously a a chance for. Uh, to have people that simply don't want to have that hard meeting and they will, they will stay quiet and then they'll brood. And even though Babcock says not, and obviously, honestly, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if that were something that were coming out of Franzen, not to call him right. specifically. Why the hell not? Well, well, and even with the, well, I mean, let's face it, professional athletes by and large are pretty much alphas, right? So um, there's, probably a lot more conflict than we ever see you know that we would ever see unless we were right there in it and like even with Babcock and Holland I'm sure there's they have conversations about you know who should be in the lineup who should not be in the lineup who should be playing who should not be playing I mean it's you know they, you look at it this way they have anybody who says that Ken Holland is making decisions about who he's signing just on his own is they're wrong. That that doesn't happen. He has input from everybody, including Mike Babcock. I mean, Babcock is the one who has to take these players and turn out a product on the ice that's going to be successful. So he's of course he has input into who's being signed. Holland's not just calling people, going, "Hey, you want to sign here?" and then calling Babcock and like, "Hey, uh, I gave you Kyle Quincy back for two years." Um, so, but at the same time, one of them is exerting influence over the other with every decision that gets made. Um, I would bet that they are, I don't want to say rarely, but sometimes they're not on the same page and somebody's going to win and get their way and somebody's not. And so then it's, uh, you know, kind of spinning it to see who did well in that. But I thought when he made the comment about the one, one uh, year left on his deal, I actually considered that when you, some of these free agents didn't come to Detroit. You know, maybe they don't want to come because maybe they don't know what it's going to look like after this year. So right. I think it's it, I I think that there may be some validity to the to that idea that a couple of free agents may have steered clear because of the uncertainty as to who's going to be the coach after this and, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, I don't know. He could also be, uh, you know, he, he, for all we know, that could be a jab at the media for all the speculation that's been going on about uh, where he's going to go after this year. Okay, because it just seems so weird that he he constantly says, I've got a great relationship, I love it here, I love the ownership, I love all this. Uh, and then every time that, that something comes out that reminds us that he hasn't signed or that, that says that, you know, he says that he's he's not going to talk contract during the season, um, the Toronto media goes, oh, he's he's definitely coming here. He wants to play here. He loves the attention. He loves he loves all us media up here. And, you know, if, if he could win a cup in a Canadian market, he'd be a god forever, and that's what he wants to do. 
uh, and I've I've never gotten that idea. I, I don't know where the hell they're pulling that from. Um, <laughs> so I hope it's just that Babcock is is kind of backhandedly shining them on. I, I like that. I, although I'll go back to you saying that you know he he just calls Babcock and says, "Hey, I got your Kyle Quincy for another two years." I instantly thought of like him doing that and Babcock going, "You fucking what?" <laughs> because that that would just crack me up. Um, I don't know. It's shit. What do you think, Jeff? Well, I don't know. I think he's gone after this year anyway. So whatever. I'm gonna stand by that. I mean, I've always thought that. Uh, interesting comment. I don't. I didn't interpret it initially uh, the way you did. Of like, hey, I don't have an extension yet. Type, you know, like a jab towards Holland not getting something done yet. Uh, I don't know. It, I just thought it was Babcock being Babcock. I, I didn't think too much of it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe players like you know did want to play for Babcock and and he's not signed the long term. So, but. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, though, I, I do think he, he's gone anyway after this year. So those players probably made the right decision if they wanted to play for him. Um, That's all I got. It's no, so weird no hot I, sports takes on this one. <laughs> it's so weird because I've, I've mentioned this a few times before. Like I still don't know specifically right now where I stand on the concept of Babcock may not be back next year. Uh, and it's such a weird feeling because I do think that Babcock is one of the, the absolutely best coaches in the league. Um, but I also think that there's a possibility that, that simply he may not be the best fit for the Red Wings going into uh, future years. I think he's still the best fit for the Red Wings right now uh, with the way they're built. But if they have another dis- disappointing year, uh, I'm not sure that that it's going to stick. Uh, obviously, uh, people love playing for a, a hard-ass coach when he gets – those results, and even if it's uh, injuries cause them not to get the results, uh, at its heart, people don't give a shit about that. If if you lose and the, the coach is a hard ass, it's not fun. Um, and if that's the case, then then I guess I'd I talk myself out of it, but I would always feel bad about uh, Babcock leaving while he still has coaching in him. Because right. you and know yeah. he's going to go to a new team and he's going to make them way better. Right, and I had this I had this debate with myself where I'm like, well, you know, Babcock leaves, maybe it's not, it's not that bad of a deal because then they're just going to promote Blasio. He knows the kids. We want the kids to play. He's going to trust the kids. He knows the vets. He coached as an assistant here for a year. It's not going to be all that bad. People say great things about him. People have told me personally that he's great and going to be an awesome NHL head coach. And I'm like, hey, maybe it won't be so bad. All right, Babcock can go in there. I'm like, what am I talking about? It's Mike Babcock. He's like the best coach in hockey who never wins an award for it. Like, what what's going on? Why am I thinking this? So it's it's this. Do I do I want him to go? I'm not saying I want him to go. I just do think he it's going to be too tempting, and he's going to get too much money if he hits the free agent market next summer. Well, for him to he leave, he made a comment uh, in the interview where he talked about. Um, you know, if you're going to be really good, you have to be bad for 10 years or something. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was basically saying, you know, uh, you know, teams that are good tank. They're shit. They're garbage. And, they, and they, they're garbage. And he speci- I specifically remember him saying 10 years. And he said, and we right. don't said, do that. We're not going to tank for 10 years. Right. So, and, and he, I mean, he made mention of that when uh, they talked about Colorado. I remember earlier uh, last year where he mentioned about how bad they were for a few years and then they got all those high draft picks. So, um, you know, to JJ's point, I think if they do have another disappointing season and it looks like that they're just going to say, look, 
clearly what we're trying to do here is not working. We're just going to dump vets. We're just going to go full-on rebuild. At that point, Babcock's going to be like, peace, I'm out. I don't want to do that. Because um, I don't think he I, – I mean, people say, well, he's great with the kids and that. I, I think he is, but I think he's at a point in his career where he doesn't want to – he doesn't want to rebuild a team that he's already won with. I could see him going to a Toronto or something like that and, you know, trying to be the coach that takes that kind of team that <sighs> Toronto's still light years away, but they're, they're you know, they're, they have the potential to trend up because they've got superstars in place that are, are young versus Detroit, who has their, their two best players are on the way on the wrong side of 30 and or, then they've got a lot of kids who may or may not turn into stars we really don't know yet i think nyquist and tatar will both be very good players are they going to get to the datsuk and zetterberg levels uh, we can't say that for certain yet so he may say look i don't want to de- i don't want to deal with that i'm out you know or he says hey yeah. you know you talked about rebuilding with another team like toronto or he says hey I'm going to Pittsburgh. I'm going to take the best player in the world. I'm going to make him even better, and I'm going to make him a winner. You know that could he could see that as a challenge too. Which you know I, it wouldn't shock me if Pittsburgh blows it up and, and yeah, see, pretty much Pittsburgh year, and Toronto so. are the only two places that really make any sense. Yeah, because Toronto, Toronto makes a lot of sense because they've got a lot. Of, yeah, they've got a lot of good players there that have a lot of good potential and are better than the horseshit system. Uh, that they've got in place. I mean, with with a coach who doesn't spend nearly, uh, basically doesn't spend any time with his head in his own rectum, uh, Toronto would be good. Come on, you know Carlisle spends a lot of time with it. Have you seen the shape of his head? It fits in his ass perfectly. It's a cone. You know what a hole looks like. It's a goatee. It scores the... Winning gold in the World Cup. Okay. What if the Sharks choke again, fire McClellan, and then Babcock went to the Sharks? I I mean, the Sharks are already starting to. I mean, the the way the Sharks have have handled this summer has been god awful. Yeah, that's a fire. That's a like, good god. You want to talk about a team that has no direction at this point, or, or seemingly has no direction. It's like, hey, we're going to rebuild, but we're going to hold on to all our old guys. So, oh, and we're going to sign, we're going to sign a bunch of face punchers. Yeah, it's yeah. Like they I mean, thought, they're, well, they're, they're turning into Toronto East or Toronto West. Yeah, like we can't beat LA with our skill, so we're just going to hopefully beat the crap out of them, and then you know, maybe it'll be like that. Uh, uh, like that Simpsons episode where Homer boxes and they just the other team gets tired from beating them up so much, so they just fall down, and that's when the sharks will do stuff. But they're terrible. They're they're, just, they're not good anymore. Maybe maybe Hitchcock gets fired and he goes to the Blues. I know JJ would love that. Oh my God, yeah, boy, no. I, uh, you gotta wonder if Hitchcock is on uh, some thin ice if they don't do well this year. Now that they got Statsny, he doesn't have to be on thin ice. He could be on a regular ice. Uh, fall through. <laughs> but hey, we gotta get one. We need, we need one more assistant coach. So, who knows? Maybe the next assistant coach could be the next head coach. Nah, it's Blash Hiller, bus. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, but we're in not the interview, charge, so. uh, In the interview, Babcock did say that Granado is is has been 
pegged as the PK guy, so apparently the the guy that they're looking to hire will will work the power play. So oh. uh, I want oats, yeah. Yeah, give me some oats, baby. Honestly, you know what would be hilarious is if they have Granado and Bilesma as their assistant coaches and they, <laughs> and they go farther than Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh, oh, that'd be awesome. Can you imagine the storylines if Detroit played Pittsburgh in the first round of the playoffs and they had Granado and Bilesma? Ooh, baby. And had fun. and had Babcock with after you know after an entire season of speculation that he's going to go to Pittsburgh next year. All right. Oh man! Yeah, it's like the it's like machine. Zone. Oh, like, that narrative machine would be in hyperdrive. Uh yeah. Holy shit. Penn's, Penn's PK pretty good. Granado's got a history of pretty decent penalty kills, right? Thought I read that. Yeah. Sure. Granado, if you listen to Colorado fans and Pittsburgh fans, he he didn't. Uh, Colorado fans specifically, it's like he didn't he didn't do well with the team, and I kind of looked and went. He had nothing, really. Yeah, he, I mean, he had team. He had the tail end of the glory years. Um yeah. and <laughs> like what he's got right now. You know, he just he, <laughs> yeah. Except here he's the assistant, so it doesn't matter. Um but I mean it was like what was he I don't know, I kinda looked at his at the teams that he coached and thought, what exactly was he supposed to do with those? Well, I guess what has he done as an assistant? How has he done as an assistant? Because the whole he's been well liked. I think that's what that's what matters. I mean, the Pittsburgh. I don't like when I talk to a couple of the guys that, at like Penn blog about them. Everybody's had good things to say about him. Um, obviously, they all love him because he tried fighting, you know, Lavalette or whatever his name is. So, um, and you know, they just hate each other. So um, that'll be fun if we play Nashville. He just tries to fight it and. and so that would be good. I'd be on, I'd be on board with that. Yeah, I don't know the effect that the assistant coaches have, so it's like really hard to say like how so good or bad yeah. Granada well, would be. I do like the concept that he has previously been. I like that he's previously been willing to fight with Mike Babcock, so we know that that if Babcock says something that he doesn't like, that uh, maybe they'll come to blows, or. There won't be the elephant in the room, and they'll get it all out there, and they will actually have constructive conversation that will solve all of the problems, and they don't just end up keeping terrible ideas. Uh, Although, in fairness, I I didn't really have a a problem with the the way the the penalty kill worked last year. Um, I don't think that they were doing things stupid, like like on the power play, where I just think that they they kept the wrong pieces in in place for, for far too long and wouldn't give Brendan Smith a chance. Right. right. So my opinion on the, that it, whole situation with the assistant coaches is, I'm more interested in who they get to get to get the power play. I don't care about Granado really. Right. I think at the end of the day, it's the assistant coach. So, I mean, how yeah. much of an impact truly at the end of the day do you think he's going to have? I mean, Blaschel was was an assistant coach, and there's there, you know, if, and then he went right back to Grand Rapids after one year, and there's talk of uh, oh, he's the next he's the next coach in waiting. So clearly, well, well so some guys are are wired to be head coaches, and some guys are wired to be assistant coaches. And from what I was told, he was he he falls in the wired to be a head coach, regardless of what level, and 
he didn't work out as great as an assistant, and but as a head coach, he's he's flourishing. So, right. All right, let's go to the last piece of the bad fact. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say. I mean, it's just the last point is that, I mean, you look at how many Red Wing assistants are becoming head coaches. They're they're obviously they know what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just want a, I just want a better power play. That's all I really care about. <laughs> I don't care. The, the last part of of the Babcock interview, uh, getting onto the uh, bloggers talking about bloggers, which is uh, our favorite thing, is just, just verbal masturbation here. Um, <laughs> he kind of actually launched into this out of the out of the blue too. He just said, "I think it's easy to stand on the sidelines and second guess everything all the time." Uh, the more controversy you can create, the more they like you. The more bloggers you have, the more controversy you have. Uh, that's all part of the sport. And I, I don't know. Like, obviously, I, I don't disagree with him. Uh, you have more columnists, and they're going to come up with more reasons to to discuss and complain and uh, read between the lines and, and second guess you and and say all sorts of other shit. I, I just don't know like what he's specifically going on about because I obviously yeah, Petrello's article was, but I don't also know if if it's a case of that he's talking about the Toronto media thing too. So, um, and then yeah. he says, uh, you know, it, we have jobs as as hockey operations. As long as we're doing hockey stuff, we're going to keep those jobs. Uh, if we start taking cues from the media, then we're going to be in the media pretty soon, which <laughs> which I really like uh, because obviously, um, I I like. Wim, I think that we have really good ideas, but yeah, I, I kind of don't want Mike Babcock, you know, reading and going, oh yeah, I think I'm going to change my power play based on what Wim says. Although <laughs> we're totally right. I mean, I I said that Kyle Quincy was was all wrong with Brendan Smith. He moved him off. They both improved. So uh, basically, hey, we just Babcock need to get rid of all the other. Babcock always says he's looking for new ideas. Yeah, there you go. Who cares where they come from? <laughs> So, I don't know. I thought it was like it was, it's a good point, but it kind of like came out of the blue. And honestly, it's it's kind of a, a weird thing to to even talk about. It. Uh, he just has this idea about because he's so frank with the media. I mean, he was this article, uh, this interview was was fantastic with with talk radio. Um, right. Which so he's, go ahead. Which I was just gonna say. I think that leads some credibility to what Petrella wrote because he did say in that big whole post that he had that, you know, it's, it's not the access, you, you know, Holland and Babcock are both honest, quote unquote, honest with the media, other than the few general lies that all coaches and GMs have that, you know, and, and this interview just kind of proved that like he was very candid with a lot of things, but it's just a sidebar. No, I agree. And it's, uh, that's the case there with, well, you know, digging back to the to the media article, that, the, that I think that consistently it really hasn't been like the the wings are the problem there. It's just that I I think that we've got a problem with we've got a, a digger core and we don't really have a columnist core. <laughs> and like Ansar Khan said, it's like, well, it's not my job to to create opinions, which. I think was kind of a cop-out answer anyway, because Anser has definitely snuck in a lot of 
Pollyannish shit about that, and obviously they haven't been. Like, I don't think that they ask the right questions or the right kind of questions. They don't even have to be tough questions. They just have to be good questions. And um, it was the national writer in, in Petrella's article who, who touched on this. Like, it just seems like incredibly lazy by the diggers. I would, I would just like article. Don't. Yeah, every article's the same, and um, and you know the way they, the way they report can create um, kind of a an appearance of an opinion because of the way they slant it, right? I mean, if they go in and they say the Red Wings are struggling, and they go in and they ask a couple of questions about what can be done to fix it, Babcock gives his you know his half stock, half candid answers about. Uh, starting on time and working harder and trusting in each other and uh, you know and then the players all say the same cliche things that you hear a thousand times over the course of a season. They just they report that and they make it seem like hey players and the coaches are they're really working hard to try and fix it. But they could easily um, you know get one quote or ask one question that maybe might not elicit that that. Stock answer, run with that. You know, well, or go with that. The simple, maybe the simple follow-up is: Why aren't they ready on time? Why aren't they starting on time? We, you know, this is multiple times this season. You hear, "Hey, the players didn't start on time." How come? Why is this occurring? Yeah, and you, and you don't even have to phrase it like if it happens once. Okay, yeah, you know, hey, bad games happen. Um, when you've when you've heard it five six times, I mean, that's reporting. Right. Well, and, and over mean, the course of how many years have you heard that phrase? They didn't start on time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like here. it's like Ken Holland with the kick the tires. You know, it's like, well, I mean, are you are you just kicking the tires, or are you getting in the car and actually sitting down and taking a look? That'd be a great analogy. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, hope answers listening. He should he should use that. Well, he's probably but, just I mean, following Helene's lead. But I mean, he's—they're right in that there are no columnists in in the no. Detroit media that are really going to um, dedicate their column to the Red Wings. You'll get a couple a couple of them that'll write, you know, occasionally about them. But they—they—they uh, they, uh, they either don't care about the wings. Or when they do pay attention to the wings and write about them, they don't know enough about the game or the the team to to give a proper, I guess, view or critique or whatever the hell they're writing. And that's right. the it was different when they were winning cups and they could, you know, basically write prose about these, uh, you know, these valiant warriors that are, you know, so great and successful. And I mean, because for a guy like Album, I mean, who just, I think probably, I bet he writes while talking so he can hear himself talk. I firmly believe that that is how he sits down and writes his columns and his books and stuff. When when they win, he can just he can do that, you know, and he can really kind of uh write something that makes him look really good and you get to be praiseworthy and let's face it, nobody nobody hates a column about a champion where you're just all loving and glowing and you know, throwing out all sorts of of praise to them. But when you're in a situation like now, where we're, you know they're they're not great, they're not they're not terrible either, so they're not rebuilding where you can put that positive spin on of, hey, you know they're getting better, 
they're they're all kids um i think you have to be a little bit i think it takes a little bit more effort to write a column about it that isn't just well they suck now you know like you have to dig in and like you say jeff they they don't know enough about the game to be able to speak to it intelligently right and 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 there is some i don't know if it was con who said it or who said it in that article like hey you know, they've made the playoffs 23 straight years. They've been successful. I mean, there is, if if this was 2010, and they're two, two and a half years off of a cup, whatever it is at that point, I get that. But when you've now, what, it's six years since they've won? I don't, I, I don't know my math off the top of my head. And and this is the longest, I guess, it, drought, you could say, it, it, I would argue my lifetime, before they won that first, since 97. This is the longest they've gone between cups. You know, you it's okay to start asking those questions now. It's okay when you see these, as Malik would say, the lateral moves and these, the puzzling, okay, well, you're talking about the kids and you're bringing Cleary back and, and you, you gave Kyle Quincy a raise and you struck out on all these free agents. It's it's You're you're at the point now where you, you can ask those questions or, or someone, a columnist, needs to start paying attention because it's not – the well-oiled machine that was just churning out cups every three to four years like it used they used to be. There's nothing wrong with showing the proper amount of respect to, you know, to the team and the and management and coaches that have uh, achieved success and been very successful over the past while at the same time questioning some of the some of the moves that they're making. doesn't mean that you have to attack them for it, but you just... You're not calling ask- for anyone's head. No, you're just you're simply asking asking them to explain, you know, the the mindset behind giving Kyle Quincy two years at a raise. You know, I, I thought with the Cleary signing, I thought that Holland actually did a fairly decent job of kind of getting behind why that that signing was made, and I think part of it is because he's he's not stupid. I mean, people tell him what social media and fans and everything are saying because at the end of the day this is a business i mean if fans become completely uh, unhappy with how the team is being run that could potentially lead to fans tuning out which means no more money so um i, I don't think we can lose sight of that so he almost kind of got in front of this one and he was like hey we made a verbal commitment to dan last year um we've said that if he you know he's got to earn his spot i mean he said all the right things to counteract what was not a good signing. With Quincy, you didn't really hear a whole lot. That whole thing was more about, well, we struck out on these guys, and you know, we I don't know why. And, I mean, that to me was just um, a quote that I never want to hear any general manager say, is I don't know why players aren't coming to my team. Um, but, you know, it's just... Maybe he does know, and he doesn't want to say. Yeah, so honestly, what he just said, the, the maybe I don't he doesn't know why. want to say. Well, maybe he doesn't want to say. Well, our arena's a shithole. Well, the city kind of sucks. Well, hey, we're not doing so hot. I mean, maybe he knows. It's just you know, he he's just kind of got to give it a lip service at this point. And yeah, I but about he doesn't that have to say the sentence. I he, don't know why. Yeah, he doesn't have to say I don't know why. That's 
He could, he could lie out of his ass like, and say, uh, "We, you know, we made an offer we felt was fair, and uh, you know, they, you know, we, negotiations broke down, or uh, you know, we determined that player X wasn't a good fit, or whatever." I mean, don't say lie. You know, I, yeah, I would. Prefer, I mean, I'm all for honesty, but I think he knows he why they didn't some of those guys under the bus, just, whatever. He, Anton Strong is never going to be in my opinion. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, whether he says, I don't know why they came here, or, well, we gave him this and we tried to get him this. Just like, whatever, just lie, get it over with. You know why they don't want to come here. Just well, fucking fix it, dude. I, I want to kind of go back to Graham's point where the whole Holland got in front of the Cleary signing a little bit, saying, hey, loyalty, we made a verbal commitment to him previously that we take care of him, blah, blah, blah. Where's the follow-up question says, okay, well, in a cap world, and and you've got these young kids and and you have these roster spots that are being taken up, is is how can you have so much loyalty? Like, like, you know, it's that fine line where, of course, you want to show players that you are loyal and, and you are good to players and to get them to come to the Red Wings to say, hey, if you come here, you'll be treated like family, like royalty, blah, blah, blah. We'll take care of you. But at the same point, how far does that loyalty go to the point of being detrimental to the team? Well, and are okay. it's all about the question not being asked. Well, the, 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 the two support. things that I've been most mad about with somebody in the organization in the last year have been answers that said, I don't know. When Ken Holland said, I don't know why free agents don't want to come to Detroit, whether or not that's the truth, the fact that the follow-up question was not, how the fuck don't you know, give me a better answer than that, obviously phrased in a much nicer way that's not going to get you killed, um, that's that's a bad job of, of reporting. When Mike Babcock says, I don't know why Thomas Tatar isn't in our lineup, we need a scorer, he's a scorer, I don't know why he's not playing, when he's the goddamn guy whose job it is to put him in the lineup, and there's no follow-up question that says, what does that mean? Um, that's a failure by the people who have the access to ask the questions. Um, and that's, that's the problematic thing. It's like I'm not even necessarily upset about the concept that we don't have uh, columnists that pay attention to our team as much to ask those kind of questions, and I agree with the concept that it's way easier to write fluffy, flowery pieces about how great everything is because the team loves you for it, too. And it's very hard to, set, to second guess in the columns like this. And honestly, if we had better national columnists, uh, people who get paid $60,000 a year to do this, uh, Wim would be fucking out of the picture. So uh, the fact that we don't have columnists is actually good for us uh, because it, it gives us a little bit more of a voice than we might otherwise have. Diggers aren't asking, why don't you know? That's a big problem for me. You mean when they're not digging? Yeah. Yeah, like the question about uh, uh, why are you offering Dan Cleary a verbal agreement to sign next year? Right. Why you don't know yeah. next year. Why would you offer that to him? What, because he took less money to come for one year and then sucked? Like, why Why would you, why would you make, I, I mean, that's, that's the other thing, too, is, okay, well, now you need to start asking questions about how, how long has this been going on? Because I can't imagine that this is the first time he's made some sort of commitment. I wonder if he did the same thing with Draper and with Malpe. 
where he said, hey, look, you know, yeah, you know, something where he said, hey, take less money. Well, maybe not so much in Draper and Malpe's case because they were, they were lifers, but maybe in Bertuzzi's case, hey, take a little bit less or don't take as big a raise uh, this time around, and then when this contract's up, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure you're taken care of for another year or two after that. Interesting. So, I don't know, mm-hmm. which means, you know, which again speaks to that, how is he building his team and is he doing things that are detrimental to the team? If he's offering verbal uh, commitments to people uh, that are not being reported on, what happens if at some point he does go back on one of these things? How ugly is that going to get for him? Kind of ugly. It could. I mean, it would depend on the player and how big a stink the player raised. But, right. I mean, it's it's the potential, yeah. right? That's always what you have to, if you play it forward, is what are the ramifications of doing something? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I get, I, I actually, I buy I buy the, the loyalty thing. So we made him the promise, and obviously I, I do want to know why, why he was made that promise. Um, and if the answer there is, well, he's been – Goddamn great for us. Uh, why wouldn't we make him that promise? Okay, fine. Uh, one point five million with another one million dollar in bonuses for ten games. That that's the the cost of loyalty. Would he absolutely not have not have accepted a one million dollar deal with with no bonus? Is it not loyal enough to offer him league minimum to say, listen, you sucked last year. You have to earn your way back up. Um, is it is it not loyal? So do the same thing you did with Draper and Maltby and force them on a, a yeah. two-way contract tryout type deal. Yeah, we'll take care of you. Here, here's a two-way contract. This, if you earn it, you're there. If not, I mean, we we don't owe you more money. That's part of the way the CBA works. Is we can't promise you future money. Um, that's that. Those are those are questions that I would like to have asked, and I I know that we're not going to get good answers. Um, but honestly. Uh, Canned answers and and dodgy answers and all that stuff are are better than no answers because at least that shit I can read into. That's stuff I can create controversy on. Because you are a blogger. And that's what I live for. Mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. man. I don't know. My whole gist of that uh, interview is that Mike Babcock reads whim. So that's yeah, pretty much. Yeah. He read Tomorrow's the post. Hi, Mike. Post. Hi. I'm sure the Dakers are listening to us right now. Yeah, I hope you read the one about which uh, what's with the Red Wings' uh, criminal names because that was my favorite one to write ever. I hope you Deep read my Dan. I hope you read my Dan Cleary post <laughs> and went, "Mm-hmm, this guy knows what he's talking about." <laughs> if he did, he probably took it seriously. <laughs> like half the people that read it. Yeah. I think that was my favorite part of the whole thing is seeing all the people who took it seriously and then seeing them realize that it wasn't serious and watching the like watching yeah. the change. The light the light bulbs turn on slowly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think the first four comments that morning when I woke up to I just wanted to see the initial reaction from everyone thought I was serious serious. I was just like, Oh god. I don't know. I actually did read the comments. It was a You don't read the comments, Jeff. Shut up. 
No, I read the comments. I just don't. He read them on. He reads them on his own. So I just don't yeah. like them. Read them very much. So we got like right. ten minutes here. We, we got we got ten minutes. Any anything else you guys want to talk about hockey wise? Anything else about um, the Red Wings we can bitch about? Who's your favorite digger? Should we all go around? My favorite what? Favorite digger. My favorite one. Uh, oh Chuck, goodness, Chuck Plinus. Yeah, Plinus. Yeah, Plinus is Plinus is probably mine. I'll go with uh, Krupa. Krupa's not even a digger. is pretty strong. He's not a digger. I'm just going. Well, dude, none of them are actually diggers because they don't dig for any information. Uh, I, no, I, I love Krupa. Just based off his, his Twitter interaction. Their, as far as doing their job, uh, Plinus is a little bit more reachable. Uh, and honestly, I just I just like the style of his writing more. Um, yeah. I think uh, Ansar is, is a little bit dry, and I think uh, Helene is. Uh, I just don't like her. I don't. I don't want to say any more about the that. Cap, the captain of the super friends. <laughs> the, the alpha male. The anonymous quote. The alpha female. I'm sorry. I can't just believe none of us said yeah, Ted. Ted. Well, that's Tyler. Tyler's not here. Yeah. We 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 left Ted for him. That's, that's Tyler's boy. And we know that's the answer. Yeah. And also, I want to finish the talk about the uh, the Red Wings. Was saying, I'm not down on this upcoming season. I wish I were higher on it. That's that's where where I think uh, I'm coming across. Obviously, it sounds like nothing but negativity and nothing but uh, everything is fucked. Well, um, I wish that we were a, a better team, but I, I think that it's going to be a fun team to watch this season. It's literally the exact same roster, and if it's not a dumpster fire of injuries, they're obviously going to be a little better in theory because you figured that the kids they actually do play, it's Nyquist and Tarr count as kids. They're just adults now, I guess. Uh, you know, they're going to be a little better with the more experience. And if Yurko doesn't get the shaft, he'll just going to be a little bit better. And if you have a healthy Datsuk and Zetterberg, they're going to be a little bit better. And if Weiss, Weiss gives you anything, that's a positive. You know, and if Albertson does come back and he plays 50 games and puts up a decent amount of points or whatever, okay, sure. You know, Smith is going to be awesome. So there you go. <laughs> The one thing I can honestly say, if you look at their roster, they're not worse than they were last year. Right. Let's think of how optimistic they were last year. They're the exact same. I will say this. The opening roster that they are likely to put out for opening opening night of 2014-15 is better than the the opening night roster of 2013-14. Sure. If you're... If your opening day lineup consists of Zetterberg, Datsuk, and Franzen, Nyquist, Weiss, Albertson, Tatar, Sheehan, Yurko, that's your top nine. And then your fourth line is some combination of Darren Helm at center and two of the following five players, Cleary, Anderson, Glendening, Ablicator, Miller. Okay. Yeah, we know there's no way Ablicator is going to be on the fourth line, though. Uh, no. I'm just saying. It's, Replace Alfred yeah, right, with right. Applicator, and you've got your top. You've got your top nine. Well, I mean, right, it, it, but okay. I'll yeah, let's, and put Miller let's in on the fourth the line. Helm Miller, and then pick a, 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 another forward. Well, it'll be Dan Cleary or Luke Clendenning. Duh. <laughs> Helm Miller Mantha. <laughs> yeah, Mantha will make this team. Uh, 
Here's what I want: is I want nine top six forwards on the roster and three <laughs> bottom six forwards on the roster because we <laughs> haven't <laughs> had that for a few years. It's been nine bottom six forwards and three. T- well, I mean, four or five top six forwards. Still, I want more top six forwards than we actually have room for uh, because I would like the, the third line to be filled with that too. If we get if we that, want- we're going to be a good team. Uh, if we will- let's go even more Pollyanna-ish and say that we're going to have the cap space to actually make a move. Uh, you know, uh, price drops late in the season. A team yeah, falls but, out uh, and they're willing to sell. We've got the assets. Let's buy them, and we go on the run, and it'll be just like uh, Gabrick joining Los Angeles. And that's, yeah, but if you, that's well, all the Wings, I can the, the Wings probably wanted to get Gabrick last year, and the first thing the Blue Jackets said was, we want Mantha. And then they said, we want Nyquist. So it's, no. Yeah, the prices are too high for the Wings and not for anybody else. Exactly. Right, because everybody else seems to get lower prices for some reason. You know what's going to well, happen? They they're, just, they're just they're going to trade for Hosa to alleviate <laughs> Chicago's cap space, and then Hosa and Franzen will team up, and they'll be like the Super Twins, and then Super Friends to cover the Super Twins. <laughs> form yeah, up, get hurt. Form up we, playoff goal scorer, and then we convince Hosa to retire early. So exactly. Chicago gets fucked with cap recapture. I was just about to say that. That'd be amazing. And then we win three cups in eight years. Yeah. Osa shows up for two, for two years. They win two cups. Then he retires. He's like, I've done everything I need to do. He retires and collects his millions. And Chicago never never goes to another cup final. Oh, Hi, Chicago That would be friend. incredible. I'm going to start a Osa uh, to Detroit rumor. <laughs> I'll have to say you guys need to feel a lot better about the team. Well, yeah, yeah, we I feel that's much better. It's because we stopped before we get to the defense. So <laughs> This was a good therapy session. In non-Red Wings news, the Colorado Avalanche uh, favorited a tweet of mine where I essentially accused them of asking me to show them or of asking me to show them my dick. So that's that's my good news <laughs> of the day. Yeah. And like, I don't think that they Tyler's, got that. That's what I was saying. Did you guys see the picture of Tyler Sagan getting his his uh, golf ball hit off the stick? Yeah, that's crazy. I was wearing a fucking out of his mind. Sissy. Wow. You you should hear the stories that the the diggers here talk tell us about Tyler Sagan. Still. To yeah, point. I'm sure he. Yeah. Well, they ran him out of town. <laughs> so fast. Well, that's my, that's worked my out better for him. That's 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 still my favorite. Is is that they lost a thirty goal score, they traded away a thirty goal score, and now they've got nothing. <laughs> anyway, shitty cap situation. Well, he's not as good as Sean Thornton. Uh, well, who's going to tell him when they need to score goals? Like we need a goal once exactly. one every five minutes. They don't know that now. Lucic isn't going to tell them that. He doesn't know math. <laughs> or, or how to speak words. No, he, he can put words together. Nope. Quit defending him. Hey, I... I That's a fanboy, Jeff. You know, I... You know. He, do you cheer he, when he scores goals? I do. I pound my chest. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> 
stand up at my cubicle and I'm like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and everyone's like, no. And they're like, yes, yeah, sit down, Jeff. All right, sorry. But hey, their success is my success, so keep signing those. But hopefully, um, we're trying to get this worked out. Unfortunately, it didn't work out tonight. Uh, is that we we want to get Michael Petrella on to discuss his article more and uh, maybe give a little bit of follow up and and go over some of the criticisms he received. So we'll we'll release that as as soon as we can actually get that scheduled. But but look for that next week. It's true. So everyone should uh, begin to say goodbye really quick or say their final hockey related thoughts. Bye. Go Red Wing. Everyone get off the ledge. It'll be okay. We're going to make it. We're going to be all right. I love you all. Love you guys. Not you. Except you. Wow. Holy shit. Bye. 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 Bye.